Vaccine Day. Happy Electoral College Day. Uh, it's the podcast edition of the show. Eric Chase and the fam. It's about 1.50. Podcast time. That makes sense. Um, no fam today. Um, Alex and I actually had a conference call to get on for something with her work. Her afternoon got blown to smithereens. So here we are. We still have a, a lot to talk about. Philip asked me, he's like, how was your weekend? Because I, I asked him how his was. We do live on different continents after all. He said, how was yours? And then I was, I said, well, you you know, the, the usual, nothing. But then I was like, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. I did some science. I did my sci-fi stuff. We did some discovery. We did some Mandalorian. We did pizza. We'll get to that. We did some sleeping, we did some gym stuff, we did some football. So all things considered, in the middle of what's going on in life, it was a pretty busy weekend. Um, Thank you very much for being here. We'll get to the pizza, which I guess has turned a little dramatic on my Facebook post, but that is for um, other parts of today's podcast. A really cool thing happened downtown at Souk, and um, a rewatch I'm doing for a show that has surprisingly aged well. I looked up my own tweets, and I watched it four years ago with, uh, with reason for something that I... With the reason because of something I just mentioned. Um, so maybe a rewatch and more silver linings of all of this. But let's start with the harrowing, unexpected tragedy that happened to my friend. And I guess I should tell you all over again, or at least give you the quick version, um, because I have more details now. Um, and here's what happened around 1130 on Friday. Now, for those of you that are hearing this a second time, I'll, I'll go through it quickly. Um, 1130 on Friday morning, my friend Ash called me and she is my internet friend for 15 years. And she has talked me down some, she has talked me down from some very anxious, anxiety-ridden times, uh, times filled with depression where I have told her I, I'm going to go to sleep and I and I hope I don't wake up. Um, no one has known my suicidal thoughts like she has, not even therapists. So even though we've never met IRL, she is that close of a friend. She hates talking on the phone. I'm, she, I'll actually get her to talk a little bit now over the last year or so. Uh, she hates talking on the phone, and I'm 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 the one calling her nine and a half times out of ten. So I'm laying on the couch prepping for the show, uh, iPad in hand, and and she shows up. My iPad, it's ringing. I said, "Oh no, this can't be good news," because if she's calling me, I figured it was she's in the middle of waiting for um, a house with her boyfriend of one year. Um, he is in the process of selling that house where he lived. He's been living with her. She's helping him fix up that house to sell. And I'm thinking, oh, and, and there's been a, a long waiting period for them to, um, for bank appraisals and what is it, um, and inspections. And, and and when I said, oh, no, this can't be good, I was thinking it was with the house. And she was hysterical and crying, said, um, my, my dad just got taken away in the, in the ambulance. Uh, and he coded in the ambulance. Um, uh, her dad died. He was uh, battling COVID. Her mom works in healthcare and somehow got it and, and brought it home and uh, gave it to her husband, and he died. Th- this was a, a, a terrible, morbid turn of phrase that we all used to use in the last 20 years, but not so much anymore. He dropped dead, and it sounds so so cold and unemotional and unfeeling, but he dropped dead. And I didn't ask her these intimate details, but I don't know if he was alive when he got into the ambulance. Um, 
stunningly, and this is the the new part for everybody, she texted me on Friday night, and I told her I am I'm stunned. I didn't expect to hear from from you for for days, and I said I'm. On Friday, I was having a hard time describing how I felt. Um, I didn't have words, and I just sat with her on the phone as she was yelling and screaming and hysterical. And I wasn't going to say it's going to be okay because I didn't want to say that. Um, and I had a hard time putting it into words. And I, and I thought about it when I when I got home. And I'm I'm very reflective, like this. Um, and I I guess most people are, and that's with planning for this show. But then I I plan, we talk. I go home and just like a, a football game or a baseball game, you go back and you watch the tape and you think it through. It's like the the, the meme with the arguments. Like the meme went a lot better. The the argument went a lot better in the shower than I expected it to earlier or that. So I go home and I think about it and I and I, I was speechless to her and I couldn't wait to to rope Bethany and Philip into the podcast so I had somebody to talk about this with, to pass along some emotions and to talk through it. But it, my bones were rattled. I was I was chilled. My bones were rattled and my bones were chilled from listening to my friend be hysterical on the phone. And then when she texted me two hours later as I was sitting here in the studio and she said he died. So um, so far as I know, uh, I think her mom is is feeling better from the COVID, but she is she is erratic. She's anxious. She can't calm down. My friend says she's going to try to slip her some CBD gummies so she can try and relax. And my friend Ash is a lot better off than I expected her to be. But right now she's deeply concerned about her mom because her mom's husband, her dad, was her mom's life and re- relied on him so much. He was he was the calming influence for her very high-strung personality. And I don't know her at all. I just go. I'm just going by what Ash tells me. Um, so perhaps Ashley's morning will come at another time after she's settled that her mom is okay. So this is the perfect instance of they didn't die of COVID. They died of a blood clot. Okay, jackass. But they didn't. if they didn't get COVID, X, Y, or Z would not have killed them. So her dad died from uh, some kind of blood clot. And I didn't want to ask her too many details. Um, th- this blood clot thing runs in my family. My dad was all up my dad and my brother's butt for a long time to go get this blood work and take it to um, not only my regular doctor. My doctor was like, yeah, go go see a hematologist and have them read this. There was There's some gene malfunction in the men in my dad's side of the family. My grandfather had it. My dad has it. I guess my brother has it. I have it, and it's mutated like two times, so it's not necessarily as dangerous. If I understood the hematologist correctly, um, it was the kind of thing where uh, my dad, 15 years ago or so, right around the time we met, he uh, he tore his Achilles. And uh, I don't know if it was at this time where he was getting blood work, but he was he certainly handled it. Before he could have that surgery, he had to have certain things done in, in, in pre-op or else he could die on the table because his blood wouldn't clot correctly. I don't know the specifics of it like that, but yeah, it could be could be deadly. Um, clotting is, is an overlooked thing, I believe, that brings down many human beings. And I didn't ask my friend Ash for a whole lot of background, like if her dad had this defective gene or whatnot. All I know is that... Um, the COVID caused the blood clot. Other than that, he is a, he's a healthy dude. Uh, last I remember, she was telling me that he was almost fully recovered from rotator cuff uh, 
uh, surgery and he did some factory work, but he liked to be active. He liked to build things. One of his passions, um, he loved building designer or custom and very creative. Um, what the hell? A uh, uh, corn, corn toss. Is that what it is? Cornhole. He loved, he loved building cornhole boards for uh, friends, family members, Ash's friends, and did a great job with them. And it was great craftsmanship. And I was love working with his hands and love being active. And there was nothing wrong with his health that any that, that would have raised any suspicions until COVID comes along and says, you're going to die of a blood clot. So just a, a personal anecdote here, a personal story, as close as COVID has gotten to me, which was this. Um, it was Bethany's parents and, and then this. Obviously, my brother, but my brother is long since passed, and thankfully he was okay. Um, he got that really bad back in, in April, just a, a, an awful, awful, awful case of the flu. Um, nothing deadly. But, uh, yeah, all those things that we saw in the summertime about the, the COVID deaths are are elevated. They're, they're embellished. It's not accurate. It's not true. Um, well, I mean... It's, it's splitting hairs. It's looking at details. It's looking at nuance, which we have really lost. Okay, um, so COVID isn't the reason he died, but COVID, COVID is the reason behind the reason that he died. And I don't real, I, I, I find it really disrespectful in a lot of ways that people wanted to post over the summertime who were doubting of these stats and couldn't wrap their head around. They didn't die of COVID. They died of pneumonia or whatever. Yeah, but they wouldn't have died of that if they didn't have COVID. So that's the latest on that that harrowing and tragic story. Um, on Friday night, I did connect with uh, Mo at Big Slice Pizza, and I was very pleased. I was delighted. So I like my pizza, and really all foods, not burned, a little brown. Um, I know you hate this, but like I like my steak medium well. I'll take a medium rare, but I, I have no problem with medium well. Um, I guess that's how you would describe how I like a lot of my food. Like, I'm okay if the cheese isn't real runny and drippy on a pizza. It can be just a little golden brown. And that's the way this pizza was. And um, I loved it. And it had this... That phone's never rang before. Um, It had the sweet, savory, flavored sauce that I remember from back home. And in fact, I've actually... uh, I've actually made before when I did a pizza palooza contest. Man, it must have been like six years or so ago now. I made a turkey, a ground turkey crust. Shut up. It was just fine. It didn't look great, but it tasted a hundred times better than it looked. It it looked broken, but it was delicious. And I knew people weren't going to like that. So I looked up like New York style sauce and I had made so much of it. I had it all summer long because I had made... I'm never good with ingredients and adding and doing the math and stuff. It's just like, put it all in there. But um, since that sauce, I, I can't remember much New York style, that, that very tart, almost fruity and sweet kind of sauce. And Big Slice had that. And it was the, the perfect thinness um, as far as that was concerned. And the one thing that doesn't seem like anybody can do because Stubborn Brother has that, that water filtration system where they can truly rep- replicate... Um, almost the exact crust from East Coast places and where you get the, like I talked about with Mary from The Blade who'll be on the podcast again on Wednesday, you get the the flour on your fingers from from the crust. Like that's something that doesn't seem like anybody else can can do. And not because, um, so I, I couldn't get 
Big Slice. And again, they're on Alexis and it looks like they have an, uh, they are hoping to open a location soon in Sylvania, which will be closer to me. But on Alexis, none of the apps would pick me up. No Grubhub, no DoorDash, no no nothing. No no delivery Toledo, no Slice. Um, and Mo said, I'll, I'll, I'll get it to you. And so Mo, who, that's that's his joint, um, personally delivered it. And I also got a sub and the sub was really good. Like I had zero complaints whatsoever. So I have no problem putting Big Slice in the holy trinity of East Coast-style pizza for me here in Toledo, which is in in no particular order. Again, they each have their strengths and things that I like about them. Um, Mama Mary's, I'll I'll put them in how I found them. Mama Mary's, which I've known about for like five or six years now, their family is from down the Jersey Shore, and they brought that pizza here. So Mama Mary's, which is on airport, Stubborn Brother, which is right off of UT's campus. That's the place with the filtration system. Also a pretty cool bar as well. And then um, new to the Trinity is Big Slice. Anybody else, uh, if I've had it, I'll give you an opinion. There's one place that you say, oh, it's just like eat. No, just because it's thin doesn't mean it's like East Coast pizza. That means it's thin. You know, a lot of people like Village Idiot, and Village Idiot pizza is good, but to me, I like my East Coast stuff. So, um, if there's one you want to throw my way, please, by all means, get it over to me. Um, Speaking of restaurants and uh, a place downtown, Souk, the Mediterranean restaurant um, that opened not within the last year by my, uh, my old neighbor, Lived in my same building when I lived downtown. Uh, Musa Saluk, I believe I pronounced Musa's last name right. Musa was a great neighbor and a great chef. And Musa had had La Scola, which is over where I live now, an airport, which is now a Mexican place. He closed that, and he had always wanted to open a spot downtown, and he was able to catch the crest of the upward tra- uh, the upward trajectory of. Um, places to do, places to be and eat and be seen and all that downtown. And he got this great spot uh, right across from the farmer's market. In fact, that's where his patio is. I, I've never eaten inside at Souk. I've only had one meal there. The drinks were great. Um, one of the best drinks I can remember having, although I had it during the pandemic and I haven't had many bar-made drinks, but it was very memorable. Um, food was good, drinks were good, and Moose is a great dude. So it was great to see over the weekend a story that one of his customers, and maybe you've seen this, maybe you haven't. Um, my goal, or maybe you've, even if you've seen me post about it here, you now have uh, you now have the podcast to listen to as maybe you're getting some other work done or you're driving around or whatever. I try to put all my content in a variety of places because there's nobody that is seeing my stuff that I that I share your way on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, and here. No. Some people only do one place. That's why That's why I might be repeating something. Um, I've already put the Souk story online a couple of places. And other places have shared it a bunch because it was a $5,600 tip. Um, I'm guessing what happened is whether it was a gift, but it's one cent on the bill. And I've done this before where I've had a tab taken care of. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I can't leave without tipping you. And I'm like, I'll like... Th- Charge me for a soda or or a pickle or one cent so I can write you a big ass tip. And that 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 got done, I believe, for all the employees of Souk to split up from uh, from over the weekend. Fifty six hundred dollars. It was certainly a Merry Christmas there. And you know what? If I had the money to do that, I would certainly do that at some places because I've had some um, incredible service here. In fact, 
I know it's it's an evergreen topic on the show, on the radio, wherever to do. Hey, what kind of tipper are you? Or where do you work? And how are your how are the tips that you get? So I'll go over it one more time with you. Me with tipping, I'm always a good tipper. Um, I will be a great tipper with great service. Let's see. Um, the last, and again, I've done so little eating out, even though tipping with the apps and stuff. But when I did benchmark, I think my bill was like 70 or 75 and I tipped 30. I can't do the math, but I'm usually, a, 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 I go above 20%. Um, if it's really good, it's, you know, we're pushing 30, maybe in 40% if I can, if I can pull it off. If, if I didn't have good service, um, usually I'm a pessimist. I'm a realist. You, uh, yeah, well, I like to think I'm more of a realist than a pessimist, but I say I'm a realist and you're like, no, you're just negative. Um, in this one regard, I like to be a realist. And this is where I think there's a strength in myself. My strength of being able to put myself in someone else's shoes can be helpful. Um, if I get lousy service, look, maybe that person just had a bad day. You have no idea. Maybe, maybe like that person was on the brink of losing their job because of all this stuff and it's their last shift and they're going to miss it. Maybe that person had a family or friend diagnosed with something awful or there was a car accident. You, you don't know. And maybe that good or at least reasonable expected tip of 20% or so is going to be what turns that day around. Maybe I'm thinking pie in the sky. Maybe I'm thinking way too optimistically and Pollyannish. But hey, it, it gives me a decent feeling to know Something's maybe going on in that life. And you know what? If I come back here, or you know what? If that person is as bad as they are on a regular basis, they won't be here much longer. So that's my tipping thing and a great story over at Souk. Um, as I mentioned, it's Vax Day. Happy Vax Day. Happy Electoral College Day. And you would think that people would be pretty testy online about that stuff. Um, I actually want to go with something else that seems to be having everyone, at least in my little ecosphere, all upset. The changing of the Cleveland Indians name. This has been a long time coming. If you're any kind of Indians fan, or if you're not, I'll tell you that over the years, they have moved farther and farther away from their iconic logo, the smiling smiling Indian, the, the smiling red-faced fellow, Chief Wahoo. Um, they became aware of that that was very insensitive. Um, it was bad iconography. So they started to go just towards Indians, Cleveland, and Block C. In fact, the hat I'm wearing right now is a Block C. You have to go back quite some years now to find Chief Wahoo. A red-faced individual is, is not a great look. Um, and there was always whispers or rumors or at least some some thought out into the ether of whether or not they should change the name. So when it comes to the Washington Redskins, from what I am aware of, that R word is a slur towards Native Americans. And look, I'm fairly certain that that word is probably on a scale of 1 to 10. If the N word is a 10, eight is uh, Redskins is probably 7 or 8, and Indians is maybe 5 or 6, because we made that word up. Um, that's not what they call themselves. It's not like when, you know, the white man showed up and we're like, hello, we are the Europeans from Italy and Spain. Um, the people who were here didn't go, hello, we are the Indians. <laughs> so it was probably the right thing to do. I don't think this has anything to do with cancel culture. And remember, I said this last 
was this no what what was oh this was last week with the Bowser incident. I said this and I think a person on the complete opposite side of the issue took this that I was supporting him which was not the case. You have no say in telling someone else what they should or should not be offended by. That's not me saying I don't want to get I don't want to make this too convoluted. I'll say it again. You have no right, you or I have no right to tell anybody else what they should or should not be offended by, especially when that person is the target of the aggrievement. Got it? Last week with Bowser, it was rebels. So who would the rebels aggrieve? Um, black people because of slavery and the Confederacy, the Confederacy and all that stuff. Um, at the very least, um, to whatever, if my if my one through ten degrees, my numbering of the N words at the top, Redskins are at the eight, and five or six is where Indians and Braves and Chiefs are. Um, at least with Native Americans, I've always wanted to hear their voice and their story, and how many of their people come out and say we are this level against this, um, and even without that, but the. The more of a chorus you hear, the more informed you are. And the more you hear that that chorus of people, of that that group of people is aggrieved by this. And this is insulting to them. It's not cancel culture. This bothers somebody. This, this bothers a large group of people. At, at the very worst, or I'm sorry, at the very least, if I'm misconstruing the word Indian and chief and brave... There are teams named Braves and Chiefs for those of you that are listening that are not sports fans. We'll stick with Indians here. At the very least, that is a, that is a minority. And it is a minority human being. And people can be offended by that, that you are using their likeness or who you, who you believe they are to symbolize your athletic team. Who you believe they are. Not what they believe they are. Um, it, it's kind of mindless, but would you want like, uh, like somebody, some people, some people online today had, had a great analogy. What if the white people were the, were the ones, were the minority? Would you want the Cleveland white people? So we can get away from some of these things. And quite honestly, and here's where cynical Eric pops out. I think one of the reasons, if not the reason, uh, Cleveland decided to do this right now is because as you've seen, there has been a lot of lost revenue uh, across the spectrum of all kinds of businesses and organizations over the last, how is it nine months now? I can't keep track. Um, I, I follow professional sports very closely, and I'm constantly hearing about uh, professional sports teams. They lost X amount of tens of millions. They lost X amount of billions across the industry. So the Indians lost a lot of money last year because um, people couldn't come to the ballpark. They couldn't sell food at the stadium. They couldn't collect parking and all this stuff. So what's a fast way to generate some revenue? Come up with a new logo. And how about this? They can even double dip because the word is they may or may not have a new name ready to go for this week and this season. So what they might just do is do what Washington has done this year. And Washington would have and should have changed their logo and nickname sooner, if not for their completely indignant and ignorant owner. But in fact, he wanted his pride to go ahead making money. Because what happens when you change the logo and the colors? People want to buy the stuff. 
Um, ever since I was a little kid, whenever there was an expansion team that had teal colors or whatever, I all no matter. No matter, they were never a Philadelphia team. They weren't one of my teams. They were a new team, and they had a cool, trendy new logo or colors. And I wanted a hat. I wanted a jersey. I wanted a shirt. So when you have a new logo, you can sell a lot of things. So the double dip with Cleveland might be, just this year, they'll be the Cleveland baseball team. And then after soliciting fan stuff and blah, 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 they'll change it to whatever next year. The most popular one... Um, that people have sought for that name to be changed to is the Spiders because there was originally a Cleveland Spiders baseball team. Now, I did brief, I came across one baseball writer who I follow and said that team was taken out of baseball under some pretty awful circumstances. So we can do better than that. Um, on CBS Sports, there's a bunch of suggestions, and this is the, the most comprehensive list I could find. And I don't love, like, these seem pretty lame. Cleveland Naps. Nap, LaJoy, or Lajoy. I I don't know if I'm pronouncing it. One of uh, Cleveland's uh, best players ever. But you know what? You can't do that because someone will dig into his background and go, this guy was a scathing racist. Uh, Cleveland Fellers, also for a great uh, Cleveland pitcher. Cleveland Rockers makes sense for the Hall of Fame. Cleveland Crows, I don't know that one. Cleveland Blue Sox, they already have blue. So, um... Cleveland Great Lakers, I believe there was also a team that was like that. Cleveland Unions, Cleveland Blues fits, I believe, with, well, the color and also um, rhythm and blues, rock and roll, all that stuff. Cinders, Castles, Hazards, Burning River. And I did see Guardians going on Twitter last night. And I don't know if that was tongue-in-cheek or what, but Guardians was a pretty cool name. If there is some kind of historical reference with that um, that connects to Cleveland and Northeast Ohio or the state of Ohio. I'm interested to hear it. If not, let's not overthink this. I've posted this on uh, Eric Chase and the Fam, the Facebook page. It's repetitive, but so what? Sometimes you don't have to be, um, you don't have to be that cutting edge. You don't have to be that innovative. Just, just do what fits. Cleveland Buckeyes. Um, let's see, uh, at, at this, they tweeted the writer at Dane Perry, the Cleveland Buckeyes, and this is also reverential in the right spot. The Cleveland Buckeyes, Negro League, te- Negro League team from 1942 to 1950. The second hat picture from the red brim is from 48. Both are awesome hats. Pays homage to the state and Negro League team. It's also the 100th anniversary of the Negro Leagues. I think that's a great idea. Some other people in the same breath of uh, the Negro Leagues is uh, the Cleveland Dobies. Larry Doby is a catcher and a legendary uh, Cleveland Indian who was the first ever black player in the American League following Jackie Robinson in the National League. Um, but I look forward to the discussion and people telling me why this logo or these colors fit for Northeast Ohio and Cleveland. You want to go with Rockers? That's totally fine. You can probably do some super cool logos with that, but I, I know it's repetitive and you're already kind of piggybacking on a great brand with Ohio State Buckeyes. But I really like um, the Cleveland Buckeyes and the hat that I posted. It's got an old classic mid-50s C look. It makes sense in my head because I'm used to seeing baseball, baseball logos from those days. So I like that a lot. Your suggestions, I'd like to hear them. Um, and I'm going to guess you're for the name change. And are there other names that we could possibly change? It it. 
look, if I were an owner and and I see that there's a fairly large group of people who are somewhat bothered by the name of this and I didn't come up with that name and and I act like a normal owner. Now, look, I'm a, I'm a pretty um, community-minded person and I like to believe that when any of us, if any of us went from middle class to making, to having like a billion dollar franchise, we're all going to change how we feel and what we do with money. But if somebody was like, yeah, there are some people that are really bothered by this, change the name. Give me new logos and everything. Get the jerseys. I want the jerseys and the hats and everything. I want the colors hitting the store tomorrow. Um, one last thing to get to here. Uh, I have done my best. And again, going back to me being a usual pessimist. Um, I've tried to find silver linings to give you a little bit better mindset during all this. I think some of those things would be is you're never going to get this family time back. And I know there, I know you want to strangle your kids sometimes and they want to, they want to do awful things to you. And then you want to take their devices so that they never see them again. And I know that I'm not in, in the right perspective to give you, uh, family insight, but I think the broadness of what I'm offering can be helpful, but you'll never have this family time again. Just spoke to a friend last week and actually a couple of others who have looked at their bank accounts and said, I'm doing a lot less traveling, no vacations. And, um, you know, I've, I've actually saved some money. One of those ways you've probably saved money is car insurance. My, uh, who is it? Uh, I have uh, State Farm. With Mike Buck, my my premiums were way down this last time because people are driving a lot less now. Driving a lot less means you're saving on gas and mileage, oil chains, um, car uh, car maintenance. By the way, please, if, if unless you're driving twenty thousand miles a year, don't buy a car. Always lease. If I can help you with anything, I never talk about this much, but I have a pretty decent expertise that I rely mostly upon and have learned from my brother. Please let me help you. Get your next vehicle, especially if it's a lease. So um, one of those things is you've gotten some time back. And what's the, was it a Marvel quote? Was it a Star Trek quote? No, I think it's I think it's Tony Stark. No amount of money ever bought a second of time. And if you now work from home most of the time, think about this. I, I would always... You might go by your work hours. It's like, oh, I work nine to six. I'm like, okay, hey, whatever you work nine to six or eight to five, whatever your hours would be at work. I don't know about you, but in my jobs, I've always had to work around the clock, some worse than others. But uh, let's just say you got the regular hours. Those are your hours. They're set nine to five or whatever they may be, 10 p.m. to 7 a.m. Um, I would always look more universally and globally. Uh, so while you might start work at X o'clock, you've got to get up. Maybe you go to the gym. Even if you don't go to the gym, you've got to get up. You've got to get yourself dressed, put together. You've got to get yourself fed um, and all the other things that you've got to do for your day so that you can be away from home for X amount of hours. Well, now you don't have to do a lot of that um, because you you don't necessarily have to put pants on. Maybe you don't have to do as much makeup or you do your hair as well, especially if you're not on any Zoom calls or video conference calls or anything like that during the day. You're not commuting anymore. And think about that. We, we here have a pretty quick commute. It's one of the great things about our area. You're probably, your commute would probably be 20 to 25 minutes. And if you took traffic out, it would probably be 15 or less Maybe I'm being too general here, but you've got a pretty quick commute here compared to uh, like in a major city. 
Uh, but if there if there are people here that have 45 minute commutes, that's an hour and a half that you've very likely been able to put back in your day. And maybe that's doing laundry on a Tuesday in between uh, checking emails and your next call. So you have gotten some people have gotten some of their time back. A lot of people have gotten a lot of their time back, and that's not something that we should be overlooking when um, when money is tight right now because because it it's the old it's one of the oldest cliches. Time is money, and and I've I like to stretch that out in some other words. We do pay for things in our life not with money but with time. That doesn't make any sense. That's time is money. I know, but look at it the other way. Um, it costs me time to work X amount of hours or to do this, this, and that to earn X amount of money or dollars to get that. So everything is truly time, and hopefully you've made the best of it over this very painful time of 2020. Last thing, um, I'm in between new shows right now. After finishing The Undoing, I said, I'm going to go back and watch Hannibal. I don't know what struck me to do it, but maybe because how dark and murderous and psychopathic Hannibal was, uh, The Undoing was, sorry, um, I wanted to go back and watch Hannibal. I watched it four years ago. I think I watched two and a half seasons. I never finished the third. It has a great cast. It has the incomparable, in my eyes, Mads Mikkelsen, who you would recognize him if you saw him. He's a big-time star. Um not going to give too much away, but it's like a it's like a prequel to a, a prequel or what's another way to put it? A prequel is probably the easiest way to explain it to all the all all the Silence of the Lambs type movies and, and things like that, or or like a, it's a different universe happening at the same time. That's a more complicated way of putting it. But there's not for a minute where I watch it like. That's not Anthony Hopkins. This is not my Hannibal. There's none of that because the show is so good. In fact, you're like, why haven't I ever? Heard, why haven't I heard about this? Um, it was on Friday nights on NBC, and you might have heard us talk about it before. Um, networks put shows on Friday night to die. Like one of two things seems to happen for Friday night shows. Something gets greenlit. It doesn't look like it's going to be any good. Put it on Friday night. We've only got one season in the can, then it's done. Or there's other shows they put on Friday nights, and I guess networks forget that they forget to cancel these shows, and then they wind up staying on for like three, four, or five years, and they have a small but avid following. That's probably what Hannibal was. Um, it's just a dumping ground. It's got to be the lowest watch night on TV. But for me, one, not only was I can't believe this quality of a show was on Friday night. Two, um, this is network TV. It's very gory. Like, it's it's stuff you'd see on The Walking Dead. So, premium cable kind of stuff. Um, late at night, too. Like, the gore and the blood. And I, I was looking up my old tweets yesterday. There is something, there is a, there's an illness that connects back to my family and it really struck a chord with me. And I wanted to see, was I watching this at the same time as something was happening with my mom? Um, I looked up my tweet and it says I was watching it four years ago and apparently something just completely mind-blowing for network TV happens in the second season finale. I forget what happened. 
I remember tweet. I remember I read my tweet and go, I can't believe this happened on network TV. Some executive absolutely did forget that this was on Friday night, and no one's watching TV on Friday night to complain about it. So there we go. So if you're looking for a show, I watched it four years ago on Amazon Prime. It's on Netflix now. So if you want to catch up with that, enjoy that. Um, well, Alex, tomorrow, and uh, we've been hit and miss with Janet lately, but Janet Amit, our astrologer, will be on tomorrow, and she can explain what's up with why Jupiter and Saturn were so close and how we made it through that completely unscathed.